Because on that note, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. This is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re-examine them in the harsh, sobering light of 2019. And today, we're back on our good movie shit. You know us. <laughs> um, we are off-brand. We're doing uh, we're doing our next in our series of movies uh, where we're taking movies that we consider to be classics and kind of re-examining them and talking about why they should be put in the cultural canon. But today's going to be kind of special because we have somebody who has not seen this movie. Because today we are talking about your pick, Cole, for what a movie that you believe should be a classic film considered taught in classes. <laughs> I mean, what's the name of this movie? Uh, the Prestige. We're doing... Also, you're putting a lot of words in my mouth We're right now. <laughs> Cole said there is Citizen Kane, <laughs> there is Dog Day Afternoon... There is Yojimbo, and there's the Prestige. <laughs> there's all. All I know is there. There's the film. There's the film uh, industry before Nolan, and then there's the <laughs> yeah, there's film the industry end. now. Yep. Because we're not post Nolan yet. No, we're living in a we're living in a post Nolan world. He's incepted the idea in all of our brains that he's the greatest filmmaker of all time. Uh, or at least one of the most enigmatic and prolific. Just check IMDb. Inception's the third best movie of all time, according to IMDb. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Rick and Morty's the best TV show of all time. <laughs> yeah, you know, two movies that have fans that obviously make movies good. <laughs> um, I am Ian Gears. I'm one of your hosts. You heard Cole Goff. He's on. Uh, and we're also joined by Lauren Thompson. Lauren, how are you? I'm great. Lauren, have you ever seen The Prestige? No, I'm staying on brand. There we go. I've never I love seen it. this film. Okay. Um... Where do we start with this movie? First of all, we're going to spoil the shit out of The Prestige. If you have never seen this, turn it off and rent it for $3.99 on Amazon. Or go to your local Reckless Records and buy a used DVD for the same price, which I literally just did. Well, actually, you did both. You rented it yesterday and then bought it today. Technically, I've, I rented it yesterday. I've given $8 to Nolan. So many, so much money to Nolan, considering he hasn't I don't know if Nolan's too. seen any of that Reckless. I don't think he gets residuals from used DVD sales at Reckless Records. He's not getting Reckless residuals. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, you know what? I've given Nolan enough mo money in my lifetime, I think. How many times did we go back and see Dark Knight in theaters? Like three. I don't know. Or four? I saw it. I think I saw it twice uh, at Regal in Chesapeake, and then once uh, with as as is tradition. I have to bring up Tyler Warren in this, there we, there in we this go. episode, but I went and saw it with him in IMAX at the. Um, marine science museum i remember seeing dark knight rises in imax being like this will make this movie better and uh <laughs> i did too i think i yeah i saw dark knight rises once in normal uh and then i think i saw it in imax as well hoping the same thing because gosh that was i think i saw it with sydney like opening night because i was so excited we were so excited for it and we, then i was like i didn't think that was that good and then i went and saw it on imax and imax and i was like yeah that definitely wasn't that good see i did i i phantom menaced it i told myself that it was a good movie and then rewatched it a few years ago and was like, oh, this movie is a structural mess. You also went through a phase where you could watch anything with Marion Cotillard in it and think and convince yourself it was good. That's well, yeah, she's Marion <laughs> Cotillard, and and she has more to do in that than she does in Inception, <laughs> which is die. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna talk about all of that. So let's. Um, I want to start by talking a little bit about Christopher Nolan because Christopher Nolan is like truly. He's a franchise. He yeah, within and of himself, like he is he's taken the route of, of like a Tarantino or a Scorsese in that long list of white directors, white male directors that really knows how to like eventize the shit out of his movie. Mm -hmm. 
Because it's like, we have a Nolan movie coming out next year, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, which I didn't even know about until I went to see Joker and the trailer played in front of Joker. Yeah, I was, was like, surprise. I didn't, I didn't know there was. Yeah, no, the I, no one did. I, it was I, just a completely yeah. Surprise. Okay, yeah, because I because like the because uh, the the trailer like dropped and like I hadn't heard of it and like the crowd just didn't react at all and I was like, was this a reveal that there's a Nolan movie or if I just because like I feel like I usually kind of have my finger on the pulse of these things. No, but... it was a surprise and they didn't even release that trailer online they only released it like in theaters in the specific 70 millimeter cut of joker <laughs> probably well no, yeah. i saw it and i've never seen joker well i think that teaser was um to put it in magic terms the pledge uh <laughs> it's telling you that there is a movie coming out the turn will be when the internet inevitably turns on that movie and starts saying that christopher nolan's a hack and then the prestige is going to be when that movie comes out and turns out to be technically, at the very least, an incredibly well-made movie. Because yes. uh, that's kind of how it goes with a lot of Nolan films. Yeah. Lauren, how, where do you stand on Christopher Nolan? I like him. Yeah? I haven't seen all of his films. I didn't see any of the Batman movies in theaters. Um, I didn't see them until years after they had come out. Um, it's a but pretty I, chaotic move. What are you, a joker? <laughs> but I did, uh, I really liked Inception. Um, I'm trying to think what other movies. I, I liked this. Did you see Memento? Uh, yes, I've seen Memento. What are your feelings on Memento? Another dead lady. Yay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in that one you only have one. Yeah, it's good. It's like, I liked it a lot. I, You're I, a big Joe Pantoliano really, fan. Um, uh, my favorite uh, Nolan is, weirdly, is Dunkirk. I really, really enjoyed that. Nice. What? Why Why Dunkirk? I just think that there's something like the nesting uh, of the different timelines is really fascinating to me. Gotcha. And like, I thought the sound design, like weirdly, that's what i take out like the sound design is incredibly effective in that film yeah um which i just was in, like super fascinated by and just like it felt very immersive it's a it was an experience that i feel like i don't have any much interest in seeing it now that it's like on video on demand mm -hmm. but seeing it in a theater i think that christopher nolan is really good at that like immersive experience within a theater yeah and like creating an experience uh, that i don't necessarily know tr always translates as well in home video. Yeah, I think it feels like he's kind of gotten further away from, like, or not further away from creating good movies, because I think Dunkirk is a great movie, but mm -hmm. he's gotten more and more interested in creating a theatrical experience. Yeah, events. Yeah. Events than it does actually making a movie that translates really, really well to home video. Like you were saying, I kind of feel like the last movie he made that really translates well to video is probably Inception. Inception. I, I watched yeah. Dunkirk on like on i didn't see it in theaters i yeah. really wish i had but like it was just like every time i planned to go something came up um but i i watched it on like just on my couch on our old like bad tv and oh I thought yeah that it was one's great. sitting in our bedroom right yeah now. i uh <laughs> but i i really enjoyed it sydney slept through the entire thing um <laughs> just like police. yesterday when she turned on noel on disney plus and then fell asleep through 90 percent <gasps> of it so i just had to watch noel <laughs> <laughs> if you had turned it off she would have woken up yeah and she'd be like what are you doing Turn back on noel <laughs> honestly you can tell her that's mad disrespect you're trying to convince her that the handmaiden is noel <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, okay, I want to do really quick burn through these Nolan top threes. I kind of feel like with oh, with God, a director like this, enough. you haven't seen three Nolan. I movies. just like I haven't. Se I feel like if you've only seen like four, then your top three doesn't really mean anything. I think it's interesting. I, I still want to hear it your means takes. Anything. Yeah. Okay. Especially as someone who like because like I'll just I rank the three that I've seen. Perfect. Um, I like Nolan. I've just never. I don't put him in the same regard as I do. Like Paul Thomas Anderson or um, 
like Tor- Tarantino or, or Scorsese or, or those types yet. And that's just because I think what this movie does really, really well, there's always a coldness to his movies. His movies are never very inviting, mm. I think. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to sit down and casually watch a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you watched The Handmaiden yesterday and like all of the like camera work and the lighting is just like so lush and just gorgeous. Yeah. And just like... It's like I ate an entire box of Lind- Lindor truffles. <laughs> And then had an erection the whole time. Yeah, it's um, but yeah, and his his movies do have that kind of like, like, antiseptic, like un unloving, just like a sheen to them that yeah. is kind of is is kind of hard to get through. Yeah, but he's also made so many movies that people like genuinely, like love and are gonna sit in the cultural canon for a long time. Like the dude's probably got at least three or four movies that people will like that will go down in history as like defining moments in cinema, uh, like in the twenty first century. I mean, as as far as like directors who have, like primarily, because like when did Memento came out in what two thousand two thousand two thousand yeah like and like if you count that like as far as like directors who like mostly started working since 2000 like he's i think he's got like the most interesting library but like i actually haven't seen memento but he's got like the dark knight trilogy which i think two of those movies are good dark knight is obviously the dark knight and i think inception is really good i think prestige is great um i would would say i think inception is great too um and dunkirk is is super well made like i don't i didn't like interstellar but i definitely think he's like he's at least tried to do like i think he does like very interesting things is like then he's just like very ambitious like the whole thing if you like watch like how inception was made and like how they do did the stuff with like joseph gordon levitt and like (laughs) zero gravity with like the rotating room like they actually like built an like a giant rotating set like that stuff it's just like i you just i for me it's just like i have to admire it, it like and and for movie and, and like inception is also like just regardless of that i think it's a really good movie i agree i also think it's like it's why those movies stay up and they're like this movie still looks great yeah i mean i think there are part there are like his he a lot of his movies even the really good ones do have some like structural or story problems but as far as like the craft of movie making goes he's like in a t- in the top tier uh, yeah and especially of like the last i mean because uh, it's, it's a big deal when a mo- when when he has a movie coming out yeah um great let's start off lauren what do you think your number three christopher nolan movie would be um hmm, i i'm gonna rank this purely because i don't think i have like the objective that's perfect, on perfect. It. so i think i'm just gonna gonna choose like what i would put on right now and rank that um cole and i were literally just talking about how that's the way you should make lists <laughs> i know i'm just like i don't like i usually feel the opposite way i usually feel like when you're doing lists like this you should like objectively try to do that but i think that like i i like the dark knight but i don't think dark knight is in my top three interesting wow Um, i love that when i think of it i would rather watch batman begins cool batman begins is probably my number three that's great what about batman begins do you like i don't know i like i think that it's an interesting twist on an origin story i just remember like i think i've just watched it more times so i have a more emotional connection to it i i don't know i think it's more comparative like i like this series i like the first two but i i think i like I like Bruce Wayne more in the first one. And it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think I've been meaning to rewatch it for a long, long time because mm-hmm. I just have really good memories of it. 
Um, but I like Killian Murphy in it. I think he's great. I yeah, like... I love his performance in that first movie. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting twist on an origin story. You're also a big Katie Holmes fan, yeah? I mean, like... I give or take Katie <laughs> Holmes. Um, yeah, I just like it. I See, at least they they wait till the second movie to kill off her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 well, technically, yep. they kill Katie Holmes off between movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I like it. Great. I just like it. <laughs> no, I love I love Batman Begins. Yeah. I think it's a great movie. Cole, what about you? Uh, Dark Knight is my number three. Nice. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to agree with Lauren, and I don't have Dark Knight on my list either. Really? So, Cole, what about Dark Knight? Besides it being the Dark Knight. Um, I mean, I just think it's we, we went and saw that movie at midnight. It's the last movie that I went to a midnight showing of, and I'll because I'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was it's the the best movie going experience I've ever had in a theater. Like the only movie I'd say the only movie that's like come close as far as like the experience in the theater uh recently is like when i would see get out in like a completely full theater yeah um but the, i just i mean the uh the dark knight i mean just obviously the ledger performance i really like bale as um bruce wayne and like i th- I do agree like lauren said you get a lot more bruce wayne than batman in mm-hmm. um in batman begins and yeah. that's great but i haven't i haven't seen batman begins in a while so it's hard for me to pit them against each other and um i'd have it in third because i just think it like and i think dunkirk is actually probably put pretty close like i would put probably dunkirk at four and it's pretty close to being in three instead but just like there's a lot um in like after the point where you have like the you have the joker get out of out of the jail and like him hanging his head out of the cop car and like there's a lot of stuff like the movie slows down as far as like how much how how much it like holds my attention after that there's there i I have like a lot of issues with with the movie continuing after that um yeah and but yeah that's 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 purely the reason why it's off my list yeah i I think i think it in i think it should have it like uh, and obviously it, it wouldn't have worked out anyway because obviously because of, of heath ledger's uh, di- uh passing but like that the movie i think the movie should have ended with the joker with that scene of joe and i know this is like a pretty widely held belief i don't think this is like a unique idea that i had but like the movie should have ended there and then the, the third movie should have been um two-face yeah, the joke. They should have. It should have fleshed that out better. I think there's a lot of and and there's also just like rewatching it. It's like I don't know if I need 20 minutes of him going to China to get loud. I was literally just um, gonna say the Lao storyline is what keeps this movie yeah, off my I top d- three. Maybe I do like Dunkirk. More. I think, <laughs> I think Dunkirk is also just like a super tight, super well made movie, and I really enjoy, hundred I, minutes. I, I really yeah, and that's that's wild because it's like it's it's I feel because like, it's illegal like to make a movie that's under two and a half hours. I, I, was, I was gonna say it's illegal to make a war movie that's, that's less than two hours. I but yeah it's... we're looking at you hacksaw ridge but i do think christopher nolan has a really good like usually like it, the, the main thing is like i really like his first two thirds and then the third the last third can tend to be a little bit longer and yeah. have like little offshoots that we don't need i had the same kind of issue with inception and i feel like most people do with like the ski like the ski yeah once you get inception. to to, yeah. Arc, to tundra town from zootopia and, like, and inception it's just, don't, like it's, it's just not, not as interesting no yeah so what's your number three my number three is insomnia Okay. I'm, I'm gonna pull that flex. If you've never seen Insomnia, nope. it is fantastic. It is this cool noir movie set. It's like the movie you did right after Memento, but it's like Al Pacino, Hilary Swank, and Robin Williams, and it all takes place in Alaska during the six months of the year when it never gets dark. Mm-hmm. So Al Pacino is trying to solve a murder, like a, a series of murders, 
and he starts he just he can't get to sleep and so he starts to get delusional and go a little crazy Mm. um that's the basic premise i don't want to ruin anything else for it but incredible performances from all three of those actors. Does Hilary Swank make it through the movie? She does. Awesome. She very much does. Glad to hear it. Uh, and an incredible Robin Williams performance in that film. Nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I'll start going this way then, so Lauren will end with you in number two. My number two is Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, I think Dunkirk is his best movie. Like, I, honestly, I like my number one is my favorite movie of his, but I think Dunkirk is the best made movie he has made so far. Mm-hmm. Like... I've gone back and rewatched that movie quite a few times. I think it's so amazingly evocative of just, like... It is the most anxious I've been in a theater since, like, yeah. Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Which is a movie that I think is designed just to make you anxious. It is a, it is an amazing feat of tension building. Yeah, and I just... I also, like, think the, <clears throat> the whole... Um, like, it could have come off really gimmicky, but the whole structure he has with, like, the three parts of the movie having different time scales is super well done and interesting. I really like that. Just, like, the scene of at the end where of Tom Hardy standing in front of his burning plane, like, knowing he's going to get captured is, yeah. is, is great. Like, I, yeah, I do think... Dunkirk is great. It's um, so good. We also saw that one in IMAX, and that I was, was like, oh, yeah. I'm so mad I didn't see it. That I, was I honestly think if I had seen Dunkirk in in IMAX, it would probably be my number two. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your number two then? Uh, Inception. Inception. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I really enjoy Inception. I haven't seen it in a while, but I just, I just think that's another just like very uh, interesting, ambitious movie. Um, I think it's kind. It's probably like I think like the most nolan nolan movie yeah um it took him like 10 years to write that screenplay yeah notoriously it was just like i've had this idea for like a hell of a long time and i've just never been able to break the story um but yeah and i just like i the the introduction of tom hardy was like my first experience with tom hardy and i just love his love his character eames what's his name eames in that movie he's he's so good um we need more movie star tom hardy and things i love i love tom hardy as an actor I love that he deliberately just fucks around with his own image a lot in movies. But goddamn, handsome movie star Tom Hardy is the best. Yeah, I I really wish we got more of that and less weird Tom Hardy. I love weird Tom Hardy, but I would don't want less of that. I just want I just want honestly just want the ratio of Tom Hardy and like the in movie making to be to increase. I want him to do both. Yeah, I'm gonna. I have a lot of feelings about Tom Hardy that I also have about Bale, and we'll get to those when we get to this when we start talking about this one. Lauren, what about you? What's your number two? Um, sorry, I was just looking at pictures of Tom Hardy in Inception because he's so good looking. He's so ridiculously good looking. God damn! I'm just gonna look up pictures of Tom Hardy holding puppies you... now because that's <laughs> that's the best genre of Tom Hardy um, pictures. So my number one and my number two are pretty pretty interchangeable depending on the day. Um, but I think I have Dunkirk at my number two just because I think it's a better experience in the theater versus home viewing, whereas I think my number one is better. It is good in both scenarios. Um, so, um, Dunkirk is going to be my number two. Nice. All right, Lauren, what's your number one? My number one is Inception. Fuck yeah. I love Inception. Like, I, I think, yeah, I think Dunkirk is the better movie. It doesn't have as much fat on it as the last third of Inception, but I think Inception, weirdly, what puts Inception apart in my head is that there are moments of humor in it. And I feel like that is very few and far between in Christopher Nolan movies. I yeah. feel like they are so dark and so intense and so tension-filled. And, and just like Tom Hardy is responsible for a lot of that yeah, humor. Yeah, he and Joseph like... Gordon-Levitt are great in that movie. Yeah, I'm not crazy about JGL. I love the two, but, it's, but no, but it's the dynamic between the two of them. It's a relationship that is like humor based. Yeah. That I think is like, 
I don't see a lot of Tom Hardy films where, like, people have any type of, like, I wouldn't say, like, affection, but just, like, have any type of, like, working relationship or, like, personal relationship that is not, like, I love you, but, like, in a very intense, serious way. Yeah. Like, it's fun to just see, like, a rivalry that's also a friendship that, like, it's that weird, like, buddy comedy, like, dynamic between the Mm -hmm. two of them that I, I, I don't know, I really like that there's some release that is not just like tension built and tension let out because our heroes got away it's like yeah. oh i need to laugh sometimes like absolutely i like that in the montages there are these moments of of like levity which i really appreciate yeah. i also miss ellen page ellen yeah page we need more great. ellen page too yeah ellen page turns in a really good performance in that umbrella academy yeah that she's first great. season i thought it was, she's very great. underappreciated i agree uh, Cole, what's your number one? The Prestige. Yep, my I, number one I, too. I, I love The Prestige so I love much. This and movie. one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, I was like, I wanted to pick it for this, and it's like, I, I, like the first, I always think of like The Prestige having, and I don't know if it's if it's just a symptom of it being a Nolan movie, but I always think like, yeah, like there's, I have problems with the third act, like I don't really like the fact that like actual magic is like like, the fact that like an actual cloning machine is made like a cloning slash teleportation machine yeah and it's like tracks and it's like i and like every and like every time i rewatch it i'm like yeah i don't really mind that i don't know why i always think i mind it like i i thoroughly enjoy like the entire experience of this movie like it it has it has some problems um but i love it i think christian bale is just incredible in this movie especially like after you watch it and like going back and just knowing that he's playing two different characters and like like knowing you can tell which one he's playing based on the differences and he also just has such a great axe because this movie this movie is like his actual axe like that's his actual voice right yeah and i just wish you got more of that in movies because it's so great to listen to Mm -hmm. i just think i think he's like he there's so much of this movie is like carried on his shoulders i mean we gotta go see ford v ferrari then i know i do yeah uh yeah no i i completely agree that's my like my favorite of his movies for all of those reasons i also am very interested in magic and stage magic and i uh, i also i think that one of the best scenes he has ever put in a movie is the scene where um hugh jackman comes back from seeing him the transported man for the first time and he's telling scarlett johansson about it and like there's that really tense music is like building in the background yeah and then it like gets to the point he's just like it's the best magic trick i've ever seen and bale bounces that uh that ball across the screen and the music cuts and then it goes and shows like michael kane's reaction and jackman's reaction you don't actually see the trick until like the ending mon like you mm-hmm. see like a montage at the end when bale's like explaining everything but like it's it's just, I think that scene is really well done. But yeah, I just, I love the prestige. So this is nuts. This, these are the nominees for best supporting actor in 2000, uh, in the 2007 Oscars. So for the 2006 movie year, which the prestige was a part of Alan Arkin in little miss sunshine, who won Jackie Earl Haley in little children, Jimon Hansu in blood diamond, Eddie Murphy in dream girls and Mark Wahlberg in the departed. Not going to take anything away from Digman. Cause he's one of the best characters ever put on film. Uh, <laughs> No nomination for Bale. But would Bale... I guess, I guess you follow more of the movie from Jackman, but it's like a kind of a yeah. 50-50 split, but it's one of those movies where it's like... They're both the lead actor. Um, yeah, he wouldn't... I mean, actor in a leading role is Forrest Whitaker in Last King of Scotland, Leo in Blood Diamond, Ryan Gosling in Half Nelson, Peter O'Toole in Venus, and Will Smith in The Fucking Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> um, but, yeah. This movie was only nominated for cinematography and art direction. 
which is Nolan movies don't get nominated that much. Inception got a Best Picture nomination, didn't it? Yeah, but that was what, like two years after they expanded the category. Yeah, it wouldn't have gotten nominated beforehand. That's and interesting. I would have think thought at least like adapted screenplay. Yeah, right, that's what I would have yeah. thought too. Um, but Wait, yeah. so what did this get nominated for? Cinematography and art direction. Art direction makes sense. Like it's a looks like, beautiful. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's. I I honestly think it's like Bale's performance. Like I don't think this his performance in this movie gets talked about enough. Like obviously, I mean it's Christian Bale. He's had a ton of great performances. That it's like, but I also just I kind of feel like he just doesn't. Get, like, he should get talked about with, like, Daniel Day-Lewis and Joaquin Phoenix as far as just, like, the most talent. And, like, Leo is, like, the most talented working actors that we have. And yeah. I just feel like he doesn't get talked about that much. Do you uh, think that's because he did Batman? I don't know. Do you it's, think people don't take him seriously as seriously because he spent, like, a good amount of time doing superhero movies? Because I think he's great as Bruce Wayne. So <laughs> he's my thing. favorite Batman. Like, yeah, like I, I love him. I mean, like him and Keaton. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what the reason is. But yeah, I just. I love you don't want to get Bale. the Batfleck fans yeah. <laughs> angry. <laughs> um, and especially, like I said, especially in this movie, I just love him. Yeah. So, uh, so okay, let's dive in. So, the, <laughs> Lou's ready to dive in as well. So, we get introduced to the concept, the major concept of this movie, that there are three parts of every magic trick. There's the pledge, which is the introduction of the materials for the trick. There's the turn, when the magic happens, quote-unquote. So, they... Something gets taken yeah, away. Yeah, something Something's gets taken dead. away. Something disappears. And then the prestige, when that thing returns again. And the movie is intentionally, this is part of the genius of this fucking movie, the screenplay is set up in that same three-part structure. Yep. Um, because we get really a lot of the first part of the movie, we get uh, the great Danton, which is uh, Jackman's character, uh, Robert Angiers, uh, doing his magic trick where he is doing the, he's doing the, ter- the transported man, which becomes like the big focal point for this movie, the big trick. And he asks for a volunteer to come and check, uh, a couple volunteers to come up and check the device that he's getting into to make sure that it's all completely street legal, I guess. And one of the people that comes up is a disguised Christian Bale. Uh, we know nothing about the rivalry, we know nothing about any of this. In a move that you will see happen <clears throat> at least 12 times for the rest of this film. Shit's bonkers. It's like for two very smart stage magicians. Their biggest kryptonite is they cannot tell when someone's wearing a fake wig or a or, But it's or not beard. even, it, it is literally like sideburns. Like they'll be, they'll wear like, like very distinct, like unbelievably attractive Hugh Jackman and distinctive, like they, they know, they, they used to work together. They have like a professional rivalry. These guys know each other so well and like they will just get up. And, but like it makes sense at the last, in like the last one, like the one that leads up to this opening scene um, because Hugh Jackman, he's trying to set him up. Like, yeah. Angiers is trying to set uh, Borden up. The, my favorite one But it is... happens so many other times. And, like, <laughs> like, Chris, like, like, Borden, like, loses two fingers because of it. And, like... That's my favorite one because when Borden... It is a small crowd. <laughs> when, it is yeah, a crowd Borden's... of maybe 20 people. You can look at their faces. Borden, at that point, is playing, like, kids' birthday parties. Yeah. There's, like, 18 people watching that, that he, show. It, it's literally the scene from My Date with the President's <laughs> Daughter. He's, like, snapping the rings together and, like, no one's impressed, like, in the, in the no biker bar. No one's impressed because he's not even talking. He's just standing there, like... 
like with well, this frowny face just smashing these rings together. They make like, a good point of doing that. Are not impressed, bitches? <laughs> they make a really good point of that because one of my notes is immediately, man, Bale is a shit showman yeah. as a magician. And He's then the terrible. immediate next scene, they're like, Michael Caine's like, well, Robert, whatever he lacks in showmanship, you make up for in showmanship. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> He's oh, a wonderful okay. magician. He's a terrible showman. Aiden, he's got a double. Because <laughs> he actively looks like he wants to fight the audience. Yeah, he's Christian Bale. I'm sure he did. He was like, okay. But that made me think, is, is like Borden's entire act, Christian Bale's entire act, before he gets to the transported man or before he gets to the bullet catching trick, is it just like, all right, I got a hat. I reach my hand in, wrap it out of a hat. Boom. I got some rings. They're apart. Now they're together. Boom. All right. And like does that for like 58 minutes. And then it's finally like, all right, here's a gun. (laughs) 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 So like, yeah, no wonder the audience looks pissed. Then he immediately points at the audience. Like, fuck you guys. Yeah, like he's in a community theater production of Assassins. I feel like (laughs) Christian Bale has really some untapped potential in just structuring his act around him doing magic, but also, like, completely roasting the audience while he does it. Yeah, he's kind of, like... Just, like, shouting obscenities at people while he's doing magic. Just, like, fuck... First up, I'm gonna need a volunteer. Any of you douchebags wanna come up? (laughs) Nope. Bunch of scaredy cats in here. (laughs) And you know what? That's a magic act I've never seen, and I'm interested to see it. I don't think the professor (laughs) would allow that to happen. Oh, man. Um, but the best part about that that scene for me is he asks for a volunteer from the audience when, when they're like, boo, you suck. We've seen this ring trick with literally every magician that's worked the circuit. Uh, that he finds like, all right then, here's a gun. Who wants to come up and shoot me with the gun? <laughs> and Fallon, spoiler alert, his twin brother dressed up like Bale as Dick Cheney and Vice, yeah. raises his hand and is like, you know, silently, I'll do it, and like gets up. And we watch Bale get up and we watch Borden register that Bale has gotten up to shoot him. And he gives him the gun. And he takes the gun, and then when he looks up, it's Jackman in a disguise, <laughs> looking like he did it as Jean Valjean at the because beginning of Lame Because he's Les a magician, Ian. And then he turns, and Fallon's just looking at Bale like, I don't know, I guess he just got there fast. <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad's gonna happen. He's just like, I don't know, he's a good magician, what do you want from me? Oh my god, it's so funny though, because you... The, the shot is on Bale getting up and walking and being handed the gun and then just pan up and it's like, psych, that was actually Jackman. <laughs> it's great. It's Again, so Ian, great. He's a magician. <laughs> There's real magic at play he's here. He's a magician, Ian. A magician never reveals his secrets. This is true. Uh, but to he go can switch places with another person. To go back to the very beginning, essentially... Jackman falls down. He falls into um, uh, the case of water from an earlier trick that he does where he's supposed to be able to get out because there should be a trick lock. There's a real lock there. Borden tries to break Jackman out. Jackman drowns in the box. Borden is now framed for Hugh Jackman's murder. Mm-hmm. And he goes to jail and is awaiting the uh, to be hanged. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the essential um, through line we get through this movie that's happening kind of in, at present time. Yeah. Um, the rest of the movie takes place in flashbacks. Yeah. Um, so we flash back immediately to Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale as like apprentices, essentially. Like they're just the plants in the audience for this uh, other older magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Which is like a lot of this. I, I guess they probably wear different makeup every night, and just everyone in eight like what is this nineteenth century or twentieth century? Eighteen ninety. Every okay, so everyone in eight, like nineteenth century London is just as bad at recognizing faces in bad makeup as like as the two main characters are because these guys are the are the plants in the audience every night. Does no one go see this magic act more than once? Like, nope. or just like no one no, they don't notice that it's the same guys every night. Yeah. I also love that it takes place in London. But Jackman is doing his, like, over-American American. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever Hugh Jackman is asked to play an American, it gets, like, like every word is incredibly well-pronounced. See, and everything I think is... that works for me, because he always just kind of sounds like a 50s radio announcer. Oh, it's great. I, I love Hugh Jackman. Like, Don't get me much, wrong. I know. I think that, like, that over-enunciation actually works for the time period quite a bit, because I think that's probably, that's a lot more, like, especially what performers would yeah. put on that kind of, like... It's, like, halfway to mid-Atlantic, almost. Like, I kind of think it really works. Yeah. Well, and I almost completely forgot until we got the lead-up to it with the, uh, oh, is she a double? Before we got to that, I was like, man, is Jackman just do? I feel like I remember Jackman doing more, because then we get Jackman as Root, as the, like, the scummy London, like, out-of-work actor. Yeah. As the real double. That, that part of the movie is so wild to me, <laughs> because they literally, like... Like, if I were, if I were, uh, what's his name, Angier? Angier. Angier. In in that part of the movie, I'd be like, is this guy my fucking twin brother? Like, no, we need to talk. Like, they, they, the movie, the movie acts like this is like a character played by Emily Blunt, and they found someone, like, they, and, like, the other actress is, or the other characters, like, played by Katy Perry, and they just, like, look kind of alike. No, this is huge. They they both look, like, they don't look similar. No, like. Pause. Emily Blunt and Katy Perry look similar to you? Yeah. What? No, Amy... I would have thought you were going to go Amy Blunt, uh, Emily Blunt and Amy Adams. What? That is fucking stupid. That, are you kidding insane. me? What are you that talking is about? Ta- that, are, are, are you, you seeing Sunshine you, Cleaning? Are you look exactly the are same? You no, face you're t- no, you're talking about Isla Fisher and Amy Adams. What the fuck are you doing? No, no, I, they do look similar. I Look up pictures of Amy Adams next to Emily Blunt in Sunshine Cleaning. That's they look not very true. similar. Ian, that's not true. This is There's bu- no, no way. There's no <laughs> way that sorry. Emily Blunt a- and Emily Amy- Blunt, uh, sorry, Zoe Deschanel would have been better, but if you Google Emily Blunt Zoe looks like, it's, 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 no, if you Google Emily Blunt looks like the the uh, autofills are Kristen Wiig, which I don't agree with. Emily Blunt looks like Katy Perry, and Emily Blunt looks like Zoe Deschanel. The, no one fucking thinks Emily Blunt looks like Amy, Amy Adams, Adams except what are you. you. Talking but about? anyway, like, except for the person right. who directed Sunshine Cleaning. All right, so let's say Zoe Deschanel. But the the the, <laughs> the, the movie, the, the characters in no, the movie, it's, act- it's obviously Amy Adams and Isla Fisher. Yeah, That's the one that everyone confuses. No, we're right. You're wrong, Ian. But anyway, <laughs> the characters in the movie act like, oh yeah, it's it's a guy that kind of looks like. Angier, we just have to like put a little bit of makeup on him, then like he'll pass. No, they are identical. Like <laughs> I've to the point where it's actually Hugh I, Jackman. I've like met people that I kind like that kind of look like me before. I've never met someone like if I ever if someone introduced me at a bar to someone that looked exactly like me, I would it would scare the shit out of me. Yeah. It would change my life. It li- it would become yeah it yeah no that your life is shattered at that point yeah and the fact that the root storyline is is made up or not made up happens and then is dropped yeah. relatively quickly is wild to me like they should have had, like I almost would have rather like had like the twist at the end on top like a twist on a twist like I, I guess like, it's- to be like root had actually killed Angier and root's been the one who's <laughs> been like doing like creating the clone army on on genosis yeah and or camino <laughs> and like that that that's really what had happened 
Like, I don't know if it's, like, I guess it's because it's 1890 and, like, t- Twitter doesn't exist. But, like, Angier's <laughs> career should have been over, like, seven. Like, there's a time where, like, a wealthy woman has her hand mangled by a device because of something, a sabotage Christian Bale does. Like, there's the whole thing where he gets exposed, like, his trick is exposed for using the double. Yeah. And, like, like his career should be over. But he's just able, he's just like, all right, well, I'll just, like, I'll just go by the the, the great Danton now, and, like, no yeah. one will know it's me. No also, one will know it's the same guy, because everyone's face blind in this city. But genuinely, like, hot take, it's not a very impressive trick. The, the transported man? No. Really? It's not, it's not an impressive trick. Okay, talk to me about this. Why is it not impressive? Because it's obviously a double. If you're in the audience, it's obviously a but double. But it's, it's 1890. Like, people, like, back, like, they don't know that, like. They didn't know how their soup got hot. They, they think it's actually magic. No, most they likely. don't. They, that's the whole point. No, they don't. <laughs> They don't think it's magic. They're they're going specifically to no. It's like Michael Caine says like, they yeah, want no, to I, go to be tricked. Yeah, they want to be tricked. They but want to be tricked. That's part of the game. When you go to a, like, I feel like part an, of the game of going to see a magician is that you as an audience member are trying to be like you're trying to be tricked. You are waiting for them. You're you're trying to be to figure out how they're doing it as they're doing it. But it's, no, the thing is not like the most impressive trick like visually like in terms of like this looks like magic quotation it's the rings. marks. Yeah, like, no, but like the most—that's why the most impressive shit is like card tricks. Like, I'm sorry, like, sleight of hand. Yeah, it's like sleight of hand. It's it's that like thing <clears> of being <throat> tricked. I don't think the the grandest like oh someone can move across the stage is not super impressive because I'm like cool. You can do that with trapdoors. You can do that with optical illusion. You can do that with mirrors. You can do that with doubles. Like, yeah, no, I agree that it's like I. That's it, not nearly like, impressive. It's, it is very magic. obvious that it must be a double, and that's why like people don't obsess about like people aren't going like right like rioting in the streets when Christian Bale starts to the trick like they don't actually think it's magic but like the level of inner the level of expectations for entertainment in 1890 makes this a very good magic trick. i agree but i do not think that it is such an impressive magic trick that i would kill myself every night to do it yes but i think i think the bullet catch is so much more impressive in that regard so just fucking do the bullet i i also i don't i don't i don't understand the like the like there's a scene it, like the the first time that uh, Hugh Jackman is doing the transported man, he is exposed as using a double, and then later he like when when he's when he's like uh, doing the trick in front of that theater director so he can like put the show on. The guy's like, "You'll have to excuse me. It's not often you see at true magic." Like, why, why don't people just assume he's using a double again? The trick could, there could be a trap door in that machine and he's just, and there is, like, because that's how he disposes, mm-hmm. like, it would be easier to just keep using a double, like, Honestly, to assume he just is continually using a double, but people are floored by it and it's like, if, like, he Chris, shows up behind them. Christian that's Bale, it. like, I don't, I don't understand how, like, Christian Bale in that movie does not just think, like, oh, he's using a double again. Yeah. It's like, I, I feel like Borden, that is like one problem structurally with the movie. And like, I'd never really thought about it until I was watching yesterday. I would be like, I'm pre- like with everything we've seen about Borden, he would just assume it's a double again, especially since like that's how he does the up, trick. You just like, dressed up the same trick. Well, yeah. I think he, and I think he does. That's why he goes down to figure it out. Like he goes down to figure, to, to specifically kind of like look at 
what the machination is that he has down there to see if it's the same thing that he had before. No, because he had, like, Bale is, he's Bale's like obsessive over it. He doesn't understand. They're both obsessive though. But it, but he he what what machinations would he have? It would be a trap door. Like B- Bale is obsessing because he doesn't understand how it's done. But I what I'm saying is I feel like Bale would just ass- Borden would just assume he's using a double again, which doesn't like it's it's literally it's like who I think I think Lauren yet. said it's just dressing up the same trick. Like it's just instead of having instead of having the double come up on the same stage the double is behind which actually would take less coordination like obviously we as the the like the movie watching audience know it's a like terrifyingly morbid like murder machine but but like i feel like bale as a like trained magician who also like his secret to doing the trick is to use a double which has caused hugh jackman to go into like a like paranoid like panic spiral for like the last couple years um is to use a double so i don't understand how borden wouldn't just assume that yeah uh, i guess I'll, I'll use a similar uh metaphor that i used for uh when we did the blank check episode last time sure um where this guy is going through so much trouble to regain this million dollars that he has lost that is being spent every second and the amount of effort that he puts in to regain that million dollars would be much better spent with just stealing another million dollars. Whereas I feel like it's like you are putting so much energy into recreating this one trick to the point where you are murdering yourself many times. Yeah. And have spent a fortune when you could spend that same fortune just creating another trick that is more impressive. But I have a theory about this. That he wants to ruin Christian Bale's life. I think it's, well, I think it's a double, I think it's a, I think it's a double. But I think it's, part of it is, yes, he wants to, he wants to have the better version of Bale's trick. The other thing is, he's not a good magician. Or he's not, he's not not a good magician. He's not, uh... He, he they're, can't they're like the two, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, he's he's yeah, not. Yeah, but he has Michael Caine, who yeah. is a good like, like on, uh, engineer. Engineer, <laughs> like you can. He if he has all of this money from all the success he's made. He can hire people to teach him the magic. He also has like family money too, which is yeah. like not really addressed that much. But it's like yeah. kind of like a throwaway line in the beginning. Is like I he had he like went to London so he wouldn't like embarrass the family or something yeah, like that. So, so he could like, make his fortune has, in the like, world a, of stage magic. Yeah, he has like <laughs> aristocratic wealth or something. Like, I'm it just sure. seems like it's like there are other people that can do magic tricks. There are other impressive magic tricks. Plus, I was like watching. The more impressive magic trick is the fact that Root exists at all. Yeah. Plus, I was just I. Thought thought it was i watched like when they re-show him doing the like final teleporting man or the transporting man it's like there's a very clear moment where i'm like oh this is how you would do this practically which is he goes into the machine he stands facing the audience and as the like power is going through him he revolves around like he turns with his back facing the audience and a really good magician can do a swap then with a with a double at that point yeah and then he has time to go around. It's just like, it's just, the effort is not necessary. I don't... I appreciate the dedication. He doesn't need it. Well, I think, so... There's not no other way to do it. So, I think the Transporter Man's a pretty cool trick, but I also... Also, you could do it with mirrors. Sure. You could do it with all types of different lighting effects. Like, there's a way to do it. Absolutely. I think, I think thematically it works well for the movie. Yeah, but also if we're, like, if we're nitpicking, that's, like, part of what we do. No, absolutely. So, like, let's like, talk about the magic. Let's nitpick. But I also think the movie, uh, this, this goes into, I think, what, maybe why this trick in particular is so, uh sweat over in this movie is that apparently they couldn't get licensing from the magician's guild 
to expose a lot of tricks. Mm. So the ones that they could kind of, because we go into really impressive detail, I think, and really entertaining detail, explaining how certain sleight of hand and certain magic tricks work, mm -hmm. that there were apparently some others in the script uh, that, like, they, had to sh they showed it to, like, you know, some Magician's Guild people before they went into production on it, and they were like, you can't expose that. You mm. can't tell people how that works. You can't do that. And, like, so mm. this was one that they were kind of like, yeah, that's whatever. Does it, the Magician's double, Guild have to approve any movie script that discusses magic? Ask the is people that a, who is wrote that an, Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too. No, yeah, like, like, is that an actual approval process that has to happen? No, but I feel like he was kind of like, you know, oh, I want to be sensitive <laughs> to the community. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. infiltrate I, my movie. I will also say, like, my critique of the, the transporting man is also partially based on, like, Penn and Teller did one of those variety videos where yeah. they, like, rate all of the like magic in different movies where it's like that's very cool like he he also was like not impressed with that trick because he's just like cool you're obviously as a magician i'm looking at that going that's a double i'm not impressed yeah <laughs> like, well and it's, it's like, not a it's not good magic like christian bale isn't even a good magician for having a twin you know like that doesn't make well that and that's the, the whole point of the movie is that the 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 reason he's good is because of all the effort that goes in outside of the stage like yeah, that's the point he lives of that his act. which is completely unnecessary sure but i think like that the like the biggest theme of the movie is because that's a, that's a whole other like dumb side of things that like I'm like it's fucking dumb that he lives it like his life sharing it with another person like uh, sure but it's like but that but that is also like that's what the movie's about and so it's like it, yeah. you, it can totally be dumb but I think it's the movie is as obsessed with with those two characters like and their obsession as it is with anything else like that's for me it's like when I watch this movie. That's what I take away from it, that it's like, we're talking about method actors, or we're talking about spies, or we're talking yeah. about a type of person who believes with all of their heart and soul that in order to achieve a level of infamy or greatness or legacy, they have to, in some way, put themselves through some sort of personal hell to get there. And whether or not the movie... I don't think the movie condones it yeah. at all, because no, like, it turns one of them into a monster, and the other one gets killed and realizes that oh my wife died uh my daughter is never going to be allowed to see me again i'm gonna like for all intents and purposes i'm a hanged man yeah so i mean I it drives it drives both of them to ruin i mean one of the bales like one of the twins gets out of it like with the and <clears throat> i get well he gets out with his daughter with his like daughter. his brother is the one that like gets yeah <laughs> like, but has to completely killed, reinvent his life yeah. and i think that i don't know maybe there's something to the fact that the trick is impressive mainly just to those magicians. Yeah. But because it becomes a little bit more of like, it's it's important to people in the trade, but people outside of the trade don't really see what's so special about it. Yeah, but I don't, that's not in the film. I mean, to the fact I that... I think like, it's in the film. I, think it's I, in yeah, the film. I, I don't I, think I, you ever see other magicians not being impressed with that. I think they're pretty much viewed as like the peak of their career. No, that, but that's what, no, that's what I was saying. I think that it is like more a trick for other magicians than it is a trick for the audience. I think that it's viewed by the audience as, like, a cool trick in this film. I just I don't know. I think there's just, like... But if it was, like, something crazy, like, some of the stuff that, like, Howard Thurston was doing, at, like, yeah. around that time period, like, there were, like, riots in the street over him being, like, a, like, a satanic, occult, supernatural yeah, magic he, but user. But also, those were all based on, like, genuine, like, that was all showmanship covering technique. That were, like, actually very safe tricks. Sure. Like, I just don't think that, like, I, I, I don't think that it's a ridiculous, uh, not complaint, but, like, criticism to have of, like, I get that, like, it's about people going super far, but I just don't see the reasoning for why they're going that far. 
when there are other ways to do it. Like, it's just kind of a plot thing that just takes my brain. Like, I think I'm allowed to, to have those No, you're absolutely allowed to. I just, I, I disagree because I, I think that's think the point of the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, like, I just don't agree. That's fine. Because <laughs> I also just, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to, like, sympathize with people who are putting other people through pain just to be a better artist. Yeah, sure. I mean, oh, I don't sympathize with Christian Bale in the movie. I don't sympathize with either. Yeah, I think yeah. they're both. I think they're both bad people. It's just like I, I guess can't, all three of them are bad. People. I can't stop watching. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the thing is because I'm, especially when you watch it the first time or or when I watched it the first time, I, it was I, I have a really I have a real problem watching movies that I know have twists because I I do exactly what this movie tells me to do, which is I try to figure out what it is. Yeah, that's what along I was doing way. last night. But the first time I saw this movie, I remember really being like, I'm just gonna let the movie happen. Because I didn't know there was a twist. Because I saw it in theaters and I was just kind of like, I don't know anything about this movie except for the fact that Batman and Wolverine are in it. And I remember being so floored by the ending of this movie and really like just having no idea. And then went back and watched it again like a couple years later. But last night was the first time that I had seen this movie in a few years. And it is, we were talking about this, we were texting about it. It is essentially two movies happening at once. Like the movie that you that you get once you know what the twist is, it's so much more gratifying. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Just especially every single bail scene is there's like three things happening at once in every single scene and every single piece of dialogue. That's yeah, and I like seventy percent of Bale's lines in this movie is telling you he has a twin brother. Like yeah. when you're rewatching it, you're like, you're like, it is very obvious that that's that that's where this is going. But like it worked, like as like for me, it like worked the first time, and I didn't like see it coming. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's effective, and I think like I'm in love with all of that stuff in this movie. Oh yeah, my I, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the first time we get. The introduction of Rebecca Hall's um, uh, "Not Today" kind of refrain that comes back a lot, mm-hmm. where she tells him she's pregnant, and he says the first thing he says is, "Oh, we should have told Fallon." We should have told this Fallon. man that she just met, like he like was just introduced to her life, where she like, and she's not like, "Why the hell would we tell him?" Like, I don't know who that is. Because, he like, hasn't spoken be- for the year that we've been dating <laughs> because Fat like because Fallon and like that day like obviously and because like like she introduces it like that you don't love like every day you, like some days that you don't mean it. It's like because that day her actual husband, like, the one that is in love with her, is Fallon. Is Fallon. And um, the, for some reason, I just such didn't... a fucked up red flag in any relationship. Oh, it is. It is super fucked up. But watching it, I was, A, I really liked Christian Bale's reaction to finding out that she was pregnant. I just thought it was like, I like it when Christian Bale smiles and laughs in movies. Yeah. Um, and so getting to hear him do that and, like, kind of have, like, he gets to have the reaction of like the positive reaction on a scale of one to ten, he's playing it at like a seven. Yeah, and I just don't feel like you get to see that super often with like an actor like Christian Bale. It's always like it's always at a ten. Yeah, and it, I mean it's all it also is interesting because like he is in in like in a way or like in a way like having to fake that enthusiasm because he's not like it's not his kid. Like he's he is I'm sure excited because he's going like. He, like that's gonna be his niece but yeah. like yeah, like he, he has to uncle. he has to like try to bring it like be convincing like oh i just got told i'm gonna be a dad but like i don't know how to get that like and and it's that's the stuff like i could i feel like i didn't i didn't watch really watch movies with as like critical of an eye when i first saw it but like i'm like there's probably a lot of people that like watch this through the first time and are like wow, Bale's performance is super inconsistent. And, like, his performance <laughs> totally changes, like, on a second viewing, which is another thing I really like. It made me think possibly that was why they beefed up a lot of the root 
role because it's like Jackman being like, well, he gets to play two people. I want to play two people. <laughs> when when do you think in Borden's life did he and his brother decide, yo, we should go into magic? <laughs> it was probably like a year before. Like you, they, this was 1890. You could just if you move to a different city, you could start over. Like, there's like there's like no records of anyone being alive. No back paper then. trail. Do yeah. you have the plague? No. Great. Welcome to London. <laughs> but like, I also just want to know because like, there's a like at that point, there was a point where like, in the beginning when we're first like, or not in the beginning, but like with the earliest point that we see them like chronologically. Like, one of them isn't pretending to be found, so does one of them just, like, hide in a closet for, like, the tw- like, and then they just, like, tag out, like, or, like, one of them stays in their apartment all yeah. day, it's, it's like a, what, it, or is that, like, a, what, does that happen, like, Orphan Black, or no, there's some, there's some, no, there's some show that came out on Amazon where it's, like, there's, like, seven, like, like, yeah, septuplets, and they always have to hide. What happened to Monday? It's, yeah. it's a movie on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, and then, because the, the big, one of the big things we got at the beginning is, uh, Piper Parabo, who's playing Hugh Jackman's wife, dies. Oh yeah, in, we didn't even. We, yeah, we didn't. Even, but she she dies in uh, in the water tank trick because Borden ties a knot that uh, that Michael Caine says she's gonna have too much trouble getting out of that knot. It's not a wet knot. It's not a wet knot. She was only sixteen years old. <laughs> there are so many points in this movie where he, where he, where Michael Caine like verges onto the, the "you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors <laughs> off" voice. Yeah, it's so great. He also locks Borden in a coffin at one point. It's yeah. great. Like it's so much fun. Um, um, but, but so he ties because Paper Parabo goes, "No, try it. Like you can tie the knot. I'll get out of it. I'm good enough at what I do." So Borden ties that knot. She can't get out of it, and she dies. And Jackman blames him, rightfully so. Yeah. We really should have had a better backup plan in case shit happened. Just she, saying. She should have had a double, you know? There should have, like, I'm just watching it. It's like, it's like, there should be an air gap at the top of the box. There's no reason for there not. It, it can be blocked from view of the audience so it doesn't, like, ruin the audience's, like, immersion in the trick. Just have a fucking air gap at the top. Or in there case. should be some sort of lever that just, like, if shit goes wrong, just opens the tank. Yeah. Who needs a lever when you've got an axe that you can turn to the side and hit the thing with? Like, there should be some, like, release valve that, like, if if, like, a certain amount of seconds has gone by and she is not out, you can let her out. Like, there should, that, like, the audience doesn't know about, but, like, there should absolutely do that in any, like, reputable magic. Like, that. It's the 1890s. We didn't have codes. The Magician's Guild like was barely a thing. I feel like there were probably safety measures back then. <laughs> the, I'm gonna take I a think, wild I think guess. every job back then had, like, a 25% mortality rate. I think like, the, it doesn't matter what you The did. biggest L we take on this, not just losing Piper Parabo's life, is the fact that, uh, Hugh Jackman doesn't take the axe from Michael Caine while he's trying to break it down. Like, why are we letting fucking Alfred Pennyworth try and break her out of this glass box? Hugh Jackman's arms are the size of my legs. Let him just take one swing and that Paul Bunyan will tear her out of the fucking gap. Uh, Can I just say, slightly different topic, but if there can be, like, a literal Hugh Jackman twin that's running around, like, having a life as an actor... Going out to bars, like, when he is working as Hugh Jackman's double, he is, like, out in public just fine. Yeah. With, like, slightly different hair. So I see no reason why Christian Bale's twin can't just have another hair color. Because they're that precise. That's what That's makes so them dumb. genius. It's, it's not a bad th- call on his part. 
It's it it is you it's absolutely ridiculous. You have a wife that you drive to suicide. Yeah, well, the, the, well, that, and that's the thing. Like, that's insane. The the the, the, uh, the level that the obsession goes to, where he won't even tell his wife tell about his it. Yeah, wife, like it's, it's it's like that is it's like unforgivable. I feel like, but it should, makes sense. Like it makes sense I'm for the character. I think we should. Yeah, I don't think you. Once again, you you shouldn't root for either of them. They're both bad people. No, I don't. I feel like you're supposed to root for him. I think the movie asks you to root for him, but then uh, with the reveal at the end, Mm -hmm. like this is how I generally perceive perceive the movie. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the movie does ask you to empathize more with, uh, more with Bale than it does with Jackman because you just see Jackman's blind, like naked ambition the whole time. But then upon the reveal at the end and learning, like, things in retrospect and in hindsight, I think it's kind of asking you to be like, like, yeah, and you empathized with that guy. And no. maybe you shouldn't have. Which, I disagree. Well, and maybe I think you... that's what the movie's trying to say. Oh, see, I, like, I have a, like, a retrospective, like, oh, fuck, I feel kind of weird about empathizing with, with this guy. I don't feel like the movie has that at all. Oh, I 100% think it does. I think it 100, it wants yeah. you to, it wants you to look back and be like, okay, neither of these people were like worth rooting for because because best, best case scenario christian bale is still like by a like bipolar and cheating on his wife like he's still not a good like you're you're empathizing with him more because you're like he's the better he's the better magician and like and angier is like yeah. doing even though they both like injure each <clears throat> other like there's like like angier shoots tries to shoot him like t- he loses part of his hand and like locks locks fallon in in like a coffin and buries, buries, buries him, him alive. alive like 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 they're they like like i think like foul like angiers the movie like goes through great lengths to show you that like he is doing worse things to christian bale in like the pursuit of this like rivalry and which makes sense because bale most likely killed his wife. <laughs> it, <laughs> did kill his yeah, wife. i mean did kill his wife but it was an but, but, but it, um but it's um, At a certain point, you gotta let it go. Um, but like, the, but like, also, it, like in his own personal life, like Borden is doing bad things to like the people he's supposed to care about. Yeah, I, I just feel like the end feels like a victory for him. Uh, I think it's a victory. I mean, for it the is. A, it's a victory for him, but I also don't think it's. I I, I don't do. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the, the movie's supposed to it, like wants you to empathize with him. It definitely wants like it, it's it's like yeah it, like this is a victory like Michael Caine helped him out he got his daughter back she has that a- that's good but I one I one hundred percent think you're supposed to watch the movie and and like re- retroactively think like okay Borden was not like was not like morally or ethically better than Angier I also think that's why you put adorable kids in your movie and don't give them any lines they're <laughs> empathy tokens right it's just yeah. as soon as you see that daughter you go. Okay, he has something more useful to live for than Hugh Jackman does, who's just screwing Scarlett Johansson in this movie. And that's my segue to I want to talk about Scarlett Johansson in this movie. Because it's, for me, in a movie that I really genuinely love, the biggest glaring what the fuck is going on in this movie thing. I think this, this movie, like many movies that came out after Lost in Translation completely doesn't know what to do with Scarlett Johansson besides just make her an attractive female in the movie. I just don't think her character is a character at all. No. Like, like we're Cole, no Cole do you have any... Where, where do you land on ScarJo in this? I mean, I, I think she's, like, the weakest link, uh, like, character-building-wise, like, character-motivation-wise, and, like, I don't think it's a great performance from her. 
No, so I, like I agree. I think it's like her. I like, think she in has a, movie, a fine performance. Yeah. I just think it's written so, for a movie that everything else is written so meticulously, and there are so many like we're gonna make sure in every single scene with Bale there are at least two or three different readings of what you could perceive happening at any time. With you know Jackman, we're really, really going to deepen. Like I think it's a great Jackman performance. It's one of my favorite Hugh Jackman performances because it's just like we're really gonna get this like like the even though he's australian like kind of the most all-american looking like classical handsome movie star of like the early 2000s like we're gonna make him into this really obsessive kind of like gross person and then we've got a we've got a magician's assistant that kind of has no more defining features than the fact that like she's a double agent oh actually she's a triple agent and actually there's really oh fuck it we don't even and then she just disappears at a certain point like that's where's i'm waiting on that prestige when's she showing up yeah and like she does like the notebook thing like she gives the notebook and then like she doesn't actually have to disappear but she just like disappears from the movie and it like doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah when she's not there it doesn't hinge on anything and again it's it's a common critique. We've talked about the Lauren, you've rightfully so joked about it a lot on this podcast. But it's a common thing with, I think, women in Nolan movies where you just don't really know what to do with all of them that much. Except kill them. Except kill Well, yeah. It's like, unless you're Ellen Page in Inception, who even then, Ellen Page is just the audience avatar in Inception. Ellen Page purely exists to get things explained at her. Yeah, because, because the movie is so high concept, you need someone to do that. No, Scarlett Johansson is an amalgamation of a bunch of tropes, and she is not a person. Yeah. She exists to be the cool girl girlfriend. She exists to be the girl who has things explained at her. She exists to be the one to come in and say, like, you deserve each other in the end, and, like, get her one moment where they're like, see, she's a person. She gets to dump both of them, which is fucking dumb and she gets to be like the second girlfriend she like it's just it's dumb it's dumb she's a dumb character this movie's not great to women my favorite bit about it is bad to women my favorite scarlett johansson bit in this movie and again this is not her fault she does what she can with it is a line where she goes to kiss hugh jackman after he just saw bale's trick and he's like distracted she kisses him he doesn't kiss her back and she goes what's wrong is it your wife? <laughs> it's your like dead wife, dude. Wait, maybe let that one go, because then like she two scenes like, later, she says to Christian Bale, like, "No, when you're with me, you're with me. You're not talking about your wife and but kid." Th- you see, that's really rich coming from someone who showed up to dinner with him. Yeah, and his I wife know. I she's and she's, called him Freddie in front of her. His, yeah, his really. Fucking wife. Go fuck yourself. This movie is not consistent. Again, it's like Honestly, what Cole said. 1890, 25% mortality I, rate, even on affairs. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie, and this movie's treatment of women generally knocked it out of my top three. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I agree. It's not. It's two not out of the three that. women die, and the third one's not a person. Yeah, man, I wish that we stopped even, doing that to Rebecca Hall. She's such a good actor, even and Piper I wish Parabo she got more to do. Isn't really a person. She's a symbol that then gets killed and yeah. puts him on his journey, and then like Rebecca Hall, I was a little optimistic about in the first half but when i realized that they were driving her to going crazy because her husband sucks yeah i was just like she gets gaslit to death i was like straight straight up go fuck yourself movie (laughs) i genuinely was really pissed off um uh okay so that's i I just wanted to mention that because because she dies for no fucking reason they didn't need to pull that shit yeah they could arrange custody of the identity so that like she's not married technically to a person that is not her husband like that's fucked up well, it is fucked up, That's but really I also, I, I think the movie is, I don't think the movie's trying to tell us that it's not fucked up. I think the movie is telling us no, it's fucked like, up. No, but it's like, it logistically doesn't make any sense for them to have that arrangement. It makes no fucking sense to me. 
Uh, like, it's one thing if it's questionable morals, but I literally don't understand why they do it. It seems dumb. Well, it's the 1890s, 25% mortality rate. I just don't understand what the point is. I, why do they switch back so often? Why can they not have their own separate identities? Because because of the scene, I have an answer for this. I yes, gen- and I feel very passionate about this. Please fucking explain it Why me. they switch so often mm-hmm. is because of the scene where... Hugh Jackman uses Root for the first time and Root gets the applause after the prestige and Hugh Jackman has to take his bow below the stage. Mm-hmm. And there's there is the the showmanship level of I want I want to be about my craft, but I also care deeply about getting the reception and gratitude that I feel like I deserve. Yes. And I think that Bale and them switching back and forth quite often is that. It's we have found a way to make sure that on one night you get the 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 uh, the response one night. I get the response. Yes. Also, I think it trains both of them to be like at any given point in time, both of us are just as good of magicians as the other. Yes. To be able to pull any of this off. I understand that that within the act, I understand, but it's it's the fact that they use the act to switch off who gets to have the life. Sure. Which is. Uh, which just doesn't make sense to me. But for that character, that's the character that yeah. equates life with work. His yeah, life is his work. There are other, but there are like other ways to do that. I just like if you want to equate life with work, then like one of them should get to live the life, and one of them should like dedicate themselves to being another identity completely. Well, and I think that that's. I don't think that that's what the they're fact going that, for. The fact but... that one of them steps into his marriage and into his fatherhood and into his life is. I just don't understand why someone who has, like, a wife and who has that situation is like, cool, take my life for the day, when there's, like, no logistical reason for it. They can still switch in the act. But they have the they have the conversation later on when he gives, like, the response to Angier, and I think at this point you're not really supposed to maybe trust any of them and trust mm-hmm. any of what they're saying. But if you are to take this at face value, he does say to Angier when he starts sleeping with Scarlett Johansson... One of us was in love with Rebecca Hall. The other one was in love with Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. At which point, when we were with them, that person stayed with them and the other person stayed with the other one. Like, you... They did kind of trade, like, okay, I'm going to spend the night with Scarlett Johansson tonight. So, Fallon, if Fallon's the one who's in love with Scarlett Johansson, cool. That's all you. You be Borden tonight. I'll be Fallon. And hang out taking care of the kids. Yeah, but they be- obviously crossed wires. So, why did the, why did those times happen? I don't know. We never find out. It's those enough things. that Rebecca Hall goes fucking crazy over it. So obviously she's she's enough times she's running into this man going, "Oh, you don't love me today," which tells me they didn't logistically sort that out well. I'm sure they didn't. Yeah. But Rebecca Hall at that point is also like is on the lookout for it the way that a sane person would be. Ian, you can still like a movie and there be logical inconsistencies. No, I know, like, but I'm just saying just admit that it's lo- like logically inconsistent. I. I, I think it's I think it's internally logically consistent. Yes, I, I think it's the the point of the character is that they have, they are more obsessed with having this trick and having this success and being these great magicians and having this trick that everyone wants than they are with their family. Yeah. I completely agree. That's that's my reading. I, I think well. that's there's such an easy way to have both and I just don't understand why. But because that's not, not that. that's not what the movie is trying <laughs> the to do. Not about okay. that. The movie's about obsessives. I don't think the movie's about people that can healthily live their lives. Yeah. I, th- I think the it's, movie's a okay. warning about, like, don't do this shit, okay. you know? Which is ironic, because you cast fucking crazy method actor Christian Bale in this, but... I'm 
I'm just saying, we nit, we like nitpick all the fucking time, and I feel like this just doesn't make sense to me. Because because no. you're because like you're a normal person, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to a normal person. Because it doesn't make sense to us either. Yeah. But we are like it, you. You just have to understand. Like it's just part. That's what the characters are. It makes sense to them. It's they're they don't realize like they don't realize until like maybe not even in the end, but in the end, it's like okay like this wasn't worth it like it's well and i also think and maybe this is like revealing too much maybe like horrible shit about about me but i'm like there is a a part of me especially a younger part of me when i saw this movie uh that did understand and was like yeah i mean if that's what if if you're gonna live your life at that level of dedication that's gonna be which is a fucked up way to think but it's also like i think that the movie is a warning about that kind of lifestyle and living your life that way and you don't get an effective warning if it doesn't effectively ruin both of their lives mm -hmm. and so we need to show that in the movie so i i agree realistically in the world you are absolutely right and this is the behavior of three insane people oh yeah they're they're all bonkers psychopaths they're, they're yeah they but for but for the logic of this movie and what the movie is trying to effectively display i understand why it goes about it in the way that it goes about it so i don't know i'm not shutting down your your assessment i'm just saying that i disagree with it it's a it's a completely reasonable comment to make and i agree but like i said it's the the reason it makes sense is because they don't make sense they don't think like normal people yeah they're crazy people um great where do we want to do we want to talk about tesla do we want to talk about david bowie because lauren had an amazing take about david bowie do you want to say it no i feel like you should tell the story Ian. no i want you to no, tell the story no you know i feel like you should tell the story so we see david bowie for the first I time i would like to point out i'm not wrong <laughs> you're not and that's the like crazy to point thing out, i didn't know it was david bowie at first but i'm not wrong about what i said so we see david bowie on uh as nikola tesla and Lauren's first impulse is to say, is that Annette Benning?" <laughs> no, I said, that guy looks like Annette Benning, And then Ian goes, that guy? Because I was you like, how do you not David? know that's David Bowie? I didn't know it was David Bowie. Well, yeah. I thought I look like Annette Benning. It's just like a dude that looked like Annette Benning. Yeah, he uh, does look like Annette Benning. He does. Like David Bowie looks like Annette Benning. I'm sorry. Prove me wrong. And it, you've got you've got David Bowie. Especially looks like Annette Benning in Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane how alike they look. Um, I love that it's David Bowie. Cole's looking it up right now. <laughs> I love that it's David Bowie and his assistant <laughs> is Andy Serkis. And David Bowie turns in the better performance. <laughs> like, yeah, David Bowie's great. He's Even greatness. though it's nonsense that like a historical figure like Tesla's in this movie. But it, it is nonsense. But I do, I don't know. Like you were saying, Cole, it really doesn't bother me that at the end of this movie, they're pretty much like, magic exists, but you have to get there through innovative science. Like, there's something really interesting about that that I that I love. Oh, Ian, is that something that you love? The, the <laughs> fact that I'm that Lauren and I are producing a show about that should be an indication. Uh, but yeah, uh, I just find it very, very interesting. And I think that the Teslas in this movie is... It's, like, I love that it's introduced to this movie purely because it's bored and trolling. Oh, uh, yeah. Trolling him at first. Oh, there is shit online of them Someone looking Someone else on Twitter is pointing this out. I did a search on it. <laughs> it's insane, right? I'm going to retweet this on our account. Check it out. Um, but yeah, I think that there's something really hilarious to it. It's like the only reason that Jackman sought out Tesla, dropped stacks of money on trying to create this innovative trick. 
was because he thought that Borden had done it. And Borden was like, oh, actually, lols, no. Shut the fuck also, up. I got, I got an ace up my sleeve, and it's my brother Fallon. Borden, like, literally wrote an entire notebook in a code that used, uh, that, and the, the way to break the code was with Tesla's name. And, like, he literally did all of that just to get, just to get Angier out of London for a while. Exactly. We <laughs> was like, he was like, I was getting tired of having him around, and I just realized the best way to solve it was to send him to America for a year. Yeah, next time I sh- we cross paths, he's going to be doing my trick. I'm going to show up and Kanye his performance, <laughs> tell people that I'm playing at the theater across the street while he sits under the stage with a broken leg and I do a broke-ass Buster Keaton routine on stage. <laughs> it's That is one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Because it's also him showing up with like the mustache yeah. and the, and he's telling people like, I'm the professor, I'm across the street. We never see him performing with that facial hair <laughs> any other time in the movie. So it's just a really weird flex to have, like to, to put on a fake goatee for that one scene when people who have ostensibly seen both shows would know that he doesn't have facial hair in that show. Well, I don't think we ever, we, we just never see any of his performances after Scarlett Johansson. Because one of the things Scarlett Johansson, like she says she's going to come work for him to like make his showmanship better. So I would assume like costuming is part of that. Because I think the only time we ever see him perform it is like when, is, is like when the time Hugh Jackman goes to see it. Um, before it's before it's like punched up by Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I, okay, that's a good point. So I, 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 I would just that. I would just assume because he there's there is also at the dinner he's like in the goatee and he's like yeah he, like she's like why are you wearing that like we're in public and he's like I just came from the theater like what do you want from me? That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't remember that. I love that they get a chance to do a double date. Um, <laughs> that's such. I, I'm just that like scene this is so uh, fucked up. <laughs> that scene is so fucked up. <laughs> Um, all right, as we're as we're kind of rounding it out, is there anything that we have not hit that we need to hit? Uh, Jack Jackman learning to clone himself and and essentially killing off clones every night. Yeah, or he kills off he kills himself every yeah, night. Yeah, so more. Well, he doesn't know. That's the thing is like he it's it, it's like an exact clone. So it's like I don't think you know. Like is is he getting teleported and the <clears> clone <throat> is staying? Is there just a clone being made? a hundred yards away like because 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 the line he the line he says is like he's like i don't i like i know like going in there not knowing if you're going to be the one that ends up in the tank or the one that ends up like because it's like they're 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 i little literal like i following the logic they're like identical copies so it's like yeah and it's like so who knows it's like who who knows if like it's if if he's staying there and the clone is over there or if like he's being teleported i mean it makes it would make more sense if the clone was appearing but like he's just making a copy so it's like he's killing his exact self every he's killing time. himself like the original hugh jackman is like died the first time he did the trick yeah it's that the is the original hugh jackman is long dead but that's that's a horrifying and that, well, that thought. comes back to like the idea of like a soul like yeah art is an exact copy of you with all of your memories and everything like still you mm-hmm. is there are there two of him in that moment or did like you know is the where does the consciousness lie yeah like I think that, I think my answer is that, like, he dies. Like, every time, it's, like, the current existing version of him, like, dies, and then there's another version of him that goes on. Yeah, which I think is a, a, a very heavy-handed metaphor for just, like, the, when you're performing at that level of obsession, mm-hmm. uh, that a little bit of you dies every time you perform. Yeah, and it's, like, the fact that both of them romanticize, like, sacrifice as, like, the ultimate, like, 
marker for how good your art is. Yeah, but they're they're doing... And that's, like, an acting thing, too. It's, like, all about, like, these, you know, method acting where it's just, like, oh, no, my art is better because I sacrifice more. Yeah. And that, like, both of them are just competing to be the one that sacrifices the most. Yeah. You can tell why I loved this movie in college. they're just jerking themselves off. Yeah, it's a movie of... I think, like, another reading of it, the 2019 woke reading of it, is this movie's about fuckboys jerking themselves off (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and thinking that they're a lot more important and innovative than they actually are. But I think that, I do think that stories like that are, are useful to show, mm-hmm. like, again, like we were saying, like, more than one way to skin a cat here. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to clone yourself and kill your clone every single night, or kill yourself every single night to do effective work. And You can just Christian use a Bale, mirror, bro. Just you, use a fucking mirror. You don't need to gaslight your wife and lie to your daughter and You can just tell your fucking life. wife the truth, maybe? You can just be like, hey, look... This is kind of fucked up, but I do this. And so when you see this happening, just know it's not me. I feel like there should have been, or maybe not should have been a scene. Maybe it would have been too heavy handed and too on the nose. Um, but if there was like, and maybe there is in the movie and I'm just forgetting, like a pickup scene where like a scene starts with like Fallon and Borden talking to each other, like having it, like maybe having that argument of like, I think we should like, no, you can't tell anyone kind of a thing. Like maybe being like, I want to tell Rebecca. Well, Hall. there's, there's also like the, um, they're the last scene you get with Rebecca Hall t- talking to him when she's like drinking uh, in the morning, and he she's like, "I know what you are. I like I'll tell people." And she's and then later on, Scarlett Johansson says like the day before she um, like hung herself, she wanted to meet me. She said she had to tell me something important. So it's like it's like she just, figured it she, out. Yeah, she figured it out, and yeah, that was like the last <clears throat> straw, I guess. Yeah. Which again, uh, which, you know, going more into Lauren's point about kind of like over extreme reactions, if she figured it out, why'd she kill herself? <laughs> Did she figure it out though? I, it's, it, it's implied. I think it's implied that she figured it out. Or I think possibly even more interestingly, she, the, the one that's married to her told her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's even another reading you could do where like maybe the other Borden, maybe the other Borden killed her. Yeah. Because he couldn't let that secret get out. Which I think, like, that's a whole no, other thing. Because you see her setting up. You see her setting it up. Right? Yeah, yeah. You see, you her, see her drinking up. and then you see her hanging. Yeah, you, know? you never you see never her see setting her it up. You just see her hanging. Oh, okay. You never see her do it. But I've, I think that's. I that don't could know. have been her waiting for the meeting and then after he kills her. Yeah, and then he killed her because he couldn't have that happen. Yeah. Um, There's that reading. Christopher Nolan loves, because I loves do, killing ladies for drama. But I also think that we are, and you can get it when you watch the, the movie and you see the very just fucking genius and subtle difference between both christian bale performances that i think there's something really intentional happening that when we whenever we see the person who's not in love with rebecca hall interacting with rebecca hall he's always working on a trick and in my mind i've always registered that as he is probably the he's probably got the slight edge as a magician like he's kind of more of the like He's more left-brained, maybe, and, like, the other Bale is more right-brained and, like, loves more. Because we only ever see that that one doing, like, sleight-of-hand tricks to impress mm-hmm. her and to impress the nephew. Um, but he's the one playing the, the bar mitzvah at the beginning of the movie, um, where he meets Rebecca Hall. But there is something, I think, to the the one that's having the affair with Scarlett Johansson and, and you know, as maybe, <laughs> maybe potentially kills Rebecca Hall in this new reading is uh, the one that's, I think, a little bit more blindly ambitious and more slightly more of a scoundrel. Well, he's the one who couldn't, who, who's obsessing over the, over, um, 
Angier's trick. He's the one that gets caught and is imprisoned because he said like, and he's in the end when he's like getting taken away and like Fallon comes to visit him for the last time. He's and he's like, sorry, like I couldn't get let it go. Um, Yeah, yeah. So like, he's the one who it seems like the other one was able to get past it. Yeah, knew that there was something that the the bigger thing, bigger more important thing was preserving his family, and the other guy didn't have that. And so he was still a lot more reckless with his job, and it ultimately led to his and the other Borden's wife's death. So yeah, I don't know. I th- that makes me like the movie just as much. Uh, <laughs> great. Uh, okay, budget game. How much money do you think this movie cost to make? Two thousand six, Lauren. Two years before Iron Man came out. Yeah. So this was like this was still like pre blank check christopher nolan yes this was uh yeah i I would say christopher nolan hit his like he wasn't given like two out of the three imax cameras in the world and like 150 million dollars i think he's shooting out of a faberge egg now (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) yeah but yeah so i'd say probably that was post dark night 40 45 40 45 million dollars 40 45 lauren much as Iron Man? Iron Man was $140 million okay, in 2008. Okay, maybe like 60, 60 to $70 million. I'm going to say... I'm going to go high, and I'm going to say $80 mil. $80 mil? You're going to... I'll go with sixty-five. Cole's closer. $40 million. Yeah, yeah. I should have stuck with my original. Which is amazing. I guess it makes... Because Iron Man has a shit ton more, like, CGI. CGI. I and I the only real, like, effects this movie has is, like, the lightning. The Tesla I guess I just figured production design alone. Like, yeah. Because they built a lot of it. Well, weirdly, I found this out. They shot a lot of this movie. They shot pretty much all of the movie in L.A. on sound stages. Yeah, they built, like... Because I watched a featurette on it today. And, like, mm-hmm. you can watch the entire, like, behind-the-scenes making of on YouTube. Um, and they, like, made entire streets. Yeah. Like, like the, from scratch. Like, their production design is really incredible. It looks great. And I think that that's a lot of why it's, it's aged really well. It looks It still looks really good. Um, but it's fascinating because I don't think you can make this movie today. I don't think a movie like this gets a $40 million budget and then ends up doing what it does at the box office. I think not. made by Christopher Nolan, absolutely. Sure, but if but Christopher Nolan's working in the three, in, like, the... Um, what the eight million saying, eight, like, eight, eight, eight figure range eight like he figure does like I'm hundred million made by a director of Christopher no, Nolan's caliber yeah. yes absolutely it gets made like, but I, I don't I think it like gets made like for 40 million Denis dollars Villeneuve, they give him like, I feel like 180 million dollars to do this now I feel like, but like Denis Villeneuve he I feel like is it? kind of making movies like this he's sure I, I feel like he's like kind of like Sicario you could say is something on par with this it's like in terms of a movie that was like probably like a 30 to 40 million dollar movie that ended up grossing, you know, probably upwards of eighty or ninety million. Yeah, what did this movie make? Well, that's up to you to guess. Like, I would, I mean, I would guess on, I'd guess probably like, no know, sequel. Ninety. Ninety. Yeah, Lauren. Uh, sixty. Sixty. Because I feel like if this movie comes out after Dark Knight, it probably like doubles what it takes in at the box office. It came off out, of Nolan's name. It came out the year after Batman Begins. Yeah. He wanted to make this before Batman Begins, but Warner Brothers was like, "Nah, dog, you got to come out with this stat. Like, you, you're doing a Batman movie, you got to come up with this." He had been making this movie, working on the script with with his brother Jonathan Nolan uh, since 2000. So like, they had had this movie in their back pocket for a long time, but he wanted to do a bunch of research um, to get ready to do it. Um, this movie made $103 million worldwide, 50, wow. uh, 50 million, uh, us. Mm-hmm. So it did pretty well, like reasonably. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what I was going to mention about Scarlett Johansson. The thing that I kept thinking about while I was watching it and doing a little bit of research today was that in the 1890s, female magicians were a thing. 
I kept thinking she was gonna like it would have possibly been a more interesting thing if she was trying to snake both of their give me a transported woman yeah <laughs> give me give me a dirty rotten scoundrels with skirt with Scarlett Johansson as that character and just like trying to like beast both of these dudes yeah. that could be interesting that would have been great but instead she's just hot I think it's really strange how there were two movies that came out in the same year about magicians yeah that both the illusionist American women as European characters as like the love interest is that Jessica Biel Jessica Biel was in The Illusionist I've only seen The Illusionist once and admittedly I treated The Illusionist v Prestige the way that we treated Kanye v 50 Cent in 2008 <laughs> Like, I was just like, nah, prestige all the way. Fuck the illusionist. And if, the illusionist if, is a good movie. If prestige premieres to more than the illusionist, Ed Norton has to retire. <laughs> Ed Norton's retiring. Ed Norton, if you make less money than the prestige, you can't make motherless Brooklyn for 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah, that is really interesting. We Because it's like, it wasn't like we were going through like a magic phase. Really, was it? Yeah, it's just Was one Chris those... Angel Mind Freak that big of a deal? Because no. that's... I kept thinking also watching this that it's like, oh, those are the two uh, modern day avatars where it's like um, Hugh Jackman is more of a David Copperfield and uh, Christian Bale is Chris Angel Mind Freak mm-hmm. in terms of just like the dark broody magician. Yeah. But we didn't get any more, any more kind of like modern analog with that. We didn't get any Penn and Teller. Nope, no Penn and Teller in this. Just like super chill, super good at what they do. Yep. Seem really nice, incredibly atheist. Yeah, Penn and Teller are just like, this magic sucks. They're just off in the corner in this movie doing, like, actually good magic. You have to be that good at sleight of hand and illusion, uh, or in order to be that good at sleight of hand and illusion, you can't believe in God. That's part of the Magician's Guild. Um, And I'm sure uh, Pendulette would tell you that. Uh, Great. Awesome. We'll go down the line now. Would we recommend The Prestige in 2019? Uh, This is a strong fuck yeah for me. I love this movie and love it even more after rewatching it last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll probably watch this movie in like a couple weeks now, and then I just watch it again and like re- remember. Like, is like as far as long and like like I've nitpicked a lot of things here, and like everyone's brought up good points, everyone else has brought up good good nitpicks and and like problems with the movie, but it's still just it's like a journey that I really enjoy going on, and like I think Christian Bale's performance is like strong enough to just like make the movie entertaining. Throughout. He's so good. He's so good, and he's up against the greatest showman. <laughs> And his character's the worst showman. <laughs> Lauren, what yeah, about you? Yeah, it's a good movie. I don't know that I get the Christian Bale hype that y'all are on. I think he's good in this movie. Um, he's great. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's really good. I just, but I don't think it's like the best performance I've ever seen. Um, I, it's a really, really entertaining movie. It's really fun. Um, I like magic, so I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But it's not my top three, but I really like it. No, it's a great movie. Awesome. Recommends across the board. Now, like we always do at this time, we try to find a modern analog for the prestige. This was hard. This was really hard. I literally I literally Googled earlier movies like The Prestige and it didn't <laughs> help at all. Like every everything is just like the illusionist. And I'm like I've never seen Now You I, See I, Me. <laughs> I don't want to see Now You See Me. I've heard it's good from people. Some people really ride for those movies. I've never seen them. Can though. I recommend Ant-Man and the Wasp? Because there's really good magic in that. Great. Yeah, do that. <laughs> talk, to me, talk to me about it. Yeah, I think the magic that he does in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a, a Scott Lang kind of becomes an amateur magician. And, Under house uh, arrest. And he's really, really good at it. That magic in that movie, fun fact, if you watch the Variety v- video, mm-hmm. is uh, is Penn and Teller's favorite magic that they watched for all of it. Because apparently... Because uh, he actually does yeah, the magic. Paul Rudd did learn sleight of hand for that. Because it's like, it genuinely takes like skill that you can't do via like 
camera tricks. And hot take more interesting than all of the Marvel action-y stuff in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Because <laughs> I, well, I, mean, I also was watching the featurette uh, for this movie, and, and for the most part it was really interesting and really great to watch the craft going into it, but they were showing a lot of the filming of the magic scenes, and they weren't having people do, like, actual magic. Like, you could see, like, the in the scene where they go to try to spy on the other magician when he has the, like... Mm-hmm. The um the curtain over the like fish tank or whatever it's just a, a like a stage hand just like coming over and putting it there yeah. like having like a PA come in and do it and just the way they shot it which is like fine but I also think it would have been really interesting in those moments to showcase actual magicians doing actual magic like because I whenever I see a cut I'm just like oh well then that's not actually really happening yeah and as someone who really <clears throat> I really really love watching magic. I want to see, like, actual magicians featured in a movie that is about magic. No, so that's So that's something true. that I found a little lacking, that, like, I really do wish that, like, Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman had done a little more work to, like, do some more basic illusions. Yeah, I know they both learned a lot of sleight of hand for it, so a lot of, like, yeah, when the, he's doing, like, yeah. the rings, when he's doing card tricks and stuff at the beginning, that is all them. Yeah, I just wish there was more of it, and I wish that it was, like, it was shot in a way to show off the, that it, it's real a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I... A lot, th- of, the, I, a lot of the cuts do not do you favors in feeling that it's real. Sure. So I th- I would rather, like, Christopher Nolan have them just, like, set a camera and let them do some magic. Yeah, but I... Th- but that's that just goes back to, like, the, the Christopher Nolan is, in this movie, way more interested in how the characters feel about magic, like, their obsession with the magic than he yeah. is about, like, actually, like, entertaining magic being shown. Yeah, I guess that's why it didn't maybe work for me as well when they were talking about how much better better of a magician Christian Bale is than Hugh Jackman. Because it's like show, show don't tell. Yeah, I can definitely see that that uh, the side where Hugh Jackman is a better showman and is a better, like, has he's more... the greatest he's showman. He's the greatest showman. <laughs> and that he has so much more charisma and stage presence. But I didn't get necessarily as much the other way around of like, wow, Christian Bale is an amazing illusionist. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't think we got to see that as much outside of like The Rings, which was treated by the audience he was performing to as not particularly impressive yeah it's baby shit yeah so <laughs> it's I, fucked up so yeah i think that 58 that's minutes of nonsense <laughs> so that's an element that i kind of like wish there was a little bit more of in the movie sure no yeah. i totally buy that but in a nolan movie the only magician that's going to be there is christopher fucking nolan <laughs> uh cool what about you um i i think i'd two things like i kind of recommend watchmen the new watchmen show i think a lot of it is just because like i like whenever i'm watching that show and the ozymandias parts come on it just like reminds me of like a weird steampunk chris nolan movie that's being made um but like (laughs) um but like another like the main recommendation i would make is is probably and like you can either agree or disagree since you watched it just yesterday is the handmaiden i was going to say this because it's a bunch it's a it's just a movie about people lying to each other and like the like twists and turns and just a ton of deception but and but like everything we've said about how like sterile and un- unloving like and cold like the prestige is like how the prestige is made like is like the just the total opposite for of like it, like the handmaiden the handmaiden yeah. is just such a like horny sensual movie and is just the handmaiden's like this movie but if they fucked yeah down no i completely agree i i was just thinking about that as like my my roger ebert take on on the handmaiden after watching the prestige was i was like oh, but this is a magic trick of a movie. Yeah. Like, there literally is. It's set up a part one, part two, part three. Yeah, you, you, get, get, you get the whatever. The pledge, the, the turn, and the prestige. Yeah, yeah within it. Uh, and just such a great ending to that yeah. movie. That too. act three is so fucking good. Um, mine is, this is a, a weird one, but I was, because I was going to do The Handmaiden, and then I was just kind of like, nah, I shouldn't do that just yet. Um, 
I, it's a movie that came out a couple years ago on Netflix documentary called Jim and Andy, hmm. um, which is the documentary about Jim Carrey um, doing Man on the Moon, where he played Andy Kaufman. Hmm. And if anyone's ever, like, watched any interviews with Jim Carrey or, or, like, done any deep dives on, like, any of his social media presence in the last, like, ten years, he's going through a lot. Uh, or it just seems like there's, like, just, he's really working through a lot within himself. Uh, and as someone who grew up watching and loving Jim Carrey, it's, it's very, very uh, disconcerting to watch that movie, to see what he felt he needed to go through to achieve a performance that he felt worthy of Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're interested in, in the ideas of method acting or obsessive work and really making your life into the work that you're doing, I think that Jim and Andy is a great, really um, kind of a transparent example from the horse's mouth about like, what he has gained from doing that with his life and also like the people and the things and the joy and kind of like the blind ignorance of, of being happy that he has lost from doing that because you definitely leave that movie not really like it does not paint a positive light of, about that kind of performance or let that kind of um, aspiration in, mm -hmm. in acting um, but yeah, I would definitely go with Jim and Andy. I also just think it's like, it's fascinating. If you like Man on the Moon, which I love, and you like Jim Carrey, whom I love, uh, it's a heartbreaking, really interesting documentary. Um, I also want to recommend kind of like, I know mine was kind of a throwaway recommendation, uh, but I wanted to recommend, I didn't choose this movie officially because I think I've recommended it before. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to recommend Phantom Thread, which oh, yeah. I think is, um, a really interesting companion piece to this in that it actually, it really does care about the, like, relationship, like, the personal relationship between an obsessive and his partner, mm -hmm. um, in a way that this movie doesn't really have time for, but it really does care about, like, the woman and the relationship with someone who is obsessive and that, like, how you navigate that, how you negotiate that, and, like, it also is a really interesting, like, two-hander, like, power play between the two of them um for like just negotiating obsession mm -hmm. which i think is really interesting yeah no i we talked about that love that movie yeah it's a great movie it's a great film anything else lauren you want to plug anything uh no but ian and i are producing a uh, a narrative podcast coming up about magicians about magicians if you like this movie you're gonna love what we've written more details on that to come. Early 2020, um, we will have details for you on that one. Wow, very very hypocritical of Lauren to call out this movie for not doing great showing the magic, and you guys are or you guys are producing <laughs> a, a complete audio medium magic <laughs> show about magicians. Yeah, because we don't have to show; we just have to hear. <laughs> well, you can make a podcast criticizing us for that. How about that? <laughs> we do the For Your Reconsideration Pod coming right back to you. Paul can make feet. a podcast examining our podcast, that which be... we talked about on our podcast that's meta as fuck cole you got anything you want to plug you do the after show for our podcast sure what's what's the wait, the vanishing what's called the vanishing act vanishing act yeah that's gonna be that's the name of our pod thank thanks for revealing the name uh <laughs> thanks for prestiging our name all over this pod you can you can just beep it out and then... yeah, it's, uh, 
But I know that now after watching The Prestige, I'm like, oh, Ian, did you just want to call it The Transporting Man? Like, <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Turns out I was a lot more inspired by The Prestige than I there realized. There are so many Prestige inside jokes in the writing once I know to look for them. It's I love The so Prestige. It's funny. It's the best Nolan movie. Um, yeah, no, I got nothing to plug besides that. Uh, thank you very much for listening, folks. Uh, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud. Make sure you leave us a review at five stars. Anything less than that is complete and utter bullshit. Us on but go for it. Yeah, give us a try. You can leave comments. That's kind of cool. Um, Cole's going <laughs> to be on Letterboxd soon. You can check out Cole on Letterboxd. Uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to have comments on SoundCloud that aren't bots. That's, that'd be really fun. Yeah, that's true. If you listen to us on SoundCloud, just like let us know you like the stuff. Share our share our shit. It's going to be great. Um, aside from that, have a happy holiday season, folks. We're going to be uh, back next week with more episodes. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.